all good over time. Okay. All right, I'm gonna call this meeting to order of the uh, Marin County Planning Commission. Um, roll call. Present. Present. Commissioner Curran. Commissioner Botanico. Not here. Commissioner Todd. Here. Here. Thank you. Okay, we have before us the minutes of our last meeting, August 28th. Um, it was circulated. Does anybody have any comments or would they like anyone like to make a motion? I'll move approval as drafted. Second. Okay, Commissioner Dickinson moved and Commissioner Stefanosic seconded. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Great. Okay, next item on the agenda is communications. Do commissioners have any communications that they would like to share with the commission? Hearing none, we'll move on to the director's report. Hi, Jeremy. Good afternoon, commissioners. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, <clears throat> I sent around a, uh, I sent a couple of things. Um, I followed up from our last uh, meeting with the presentation that I gave, uh, as well as the um, uh, information about um, the uh, organizational chart, which is continually changing, <laughs> but that's what we've got right now. Uh, so hopefully you received that. And I also sent you around a preliminary agenda. This is quite preliminary because there's a lot of things on here and there's a lot of moving parts, but I wanted to at least give you a heads up as early as I could about the things that are probably gonna be coming your way relatively soon. Uh, so we have today's hearing, there's only one item and that's the TALA subdivision um, design review. Uh, the September 28th hearing is gonna be canceled. There's nothing for that day. Uh, then we have the development code amendments related to the ADUs. And I think I've mentioned this before. Your commission uh, reviewed development code amendments that um, related to a, a whole variety of different um, issues. Uh, among those was the ADU um, set. Uh, and subsequent to that, we received comments from HCD and our ADU ordinance. We pulled the ADU sections of the development code amendments out of the development code amendments that we sent to the board. We took forward your recommendation for the rest of those amendments, those were approved. So now we're going back and we're responding to all the comments from HCD and amending those, those um, ADU related development code amendments. So uh, these are gonna be different from what you've seen before, but it's all part of the same basic process. So we're gonna bring that back for a single hearing. There's not gonna be a workshop this time. Uh, and um, you'll see that on October 12th, if everything goes according to plan. On October 23rd, uh, we hope to bring the first uh, view of the short-term rental ordinance uh, to your commission, and uh, you've um, studied already the issue, um, you're aware of some of the public outreach that we've done, you've heard from the staff, you've heard from the uh, members of the community who have commented on it. 
Uh, so now you're going to see some of the results for that. So we're going to do a workshop uh, on that, go over some of the key um, items. You are going to have an actual draft ordinance, though. Uh, it's a little bit... So what we're doing here is we're bringing forward um, an ordinance which is going to affect both the coastal zone and the interior. And because of that, the process is a little bit confusing because the coastal zone portion of the ordinance cannot take effect until after the Coastal Commission has actually made a decision on it. So we're going to be recommending that you uh, recommend an ordinance which covers both to <coughs> the Board of Supervisors. Uh, we will then go forward to the Board of Supervisors and ask the Board of Supervisors to give us permission to submit that to the Coastal Commission. Uh, in this case, we're going to uh, put in our submission the requirement that whatever the commission approves will go back to the board for a decision. So uh, it's mul multiple steps for this, but it's because of this um, somewhat unique process where we're submitting, we're going to have the same ordinance which applies to both the interior and the coastal zone. I don't think we've done that before. So that's why we have this somewhat complicated process. But for you, what you're going to be looking at is that draft ordinance and a resolution recommending it to the, to the board. Uh, so there's going to be a workshop on that on the 23rd. Uh, and then on November 13th, uh, there will be a hearing on that short-term rental ordinance. So you'll have the resolution going forward to the board at that point. Uh, and also, you're going to have a workshop on development code amendments related to the housing element. Now, you remember, may remember that with the housing element, we were doing um, lots of amendments to the development code at the same time as we were doing the housing amendment, as well as rezonings. Uh, but we didn't do all of them. There was just too much um, that was still unknown at that point uh, in terms of what the board was going to end up approving. Uh, so now we're following up, uh, following through on some of those programs that are in the housing element and making some changes to the development code. And you're doing those on the same day, the short-term rental ordinance Yes. And hearing and the, yes, the okay. Right. A workshop on the development code amendments. Uh, and then there's going to be a hearing on the development code amendments related to the housing element on November 27th. And then December 11th, no items are currently scheduled, but we'll see what happens with all those other items because that's a lot on your plate this fall. A lot. Good. Uh, anyone, <coughs> any questions for Jeremy about the... Um, uh, preliminary agenda. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, now's the time for public expression, open time. If anyone has something that they would like to address the Planning Commission about that is not already on the agenda today, now is the time. Great. Seeing none, hearing none, we will move on to item four, Lucas Valley Palace design review. Hi, Megan. I'll turn it back over to Megan, who is the project planner on this, and she will bring you up to speed on uh, the most recent set of design reviews for this, uh, for this project. And uh, thankfully, this is the last set of design reviews for this project <laughs> as well. Looking forward to not getting huge packets like this again, I'm sure. Uh, so Megan, take away. Great. Thank you, Jeremy. Good, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, we have the final set of design reviews um, 
applications. So this is the Talus, uh, sorry, uh, Legacy Talus design review. I'll just give a brief history. So the Oakview master plan dates back to the early 2000s when the Board of Supervisors approved, uh, approved the Oakview master plan. Um, the Oakview master plan included two parts, uh, which is a 28-unit residential subdivision and then assisted uh, living care facility, which is on the kind of the opposite side on the freeway um, of this area. Um, and then the final EIR um, was uh, approved um, for this project January 11th, uh, 2015, sorry, 2005. Um, the Oakview uh, tentative map and precise development plan was approved by the Marin County Planning Commission uh, March 9th in 2009. And this is actually what created the 28 lots um, and the 28 homes uh, locations. Uh, the precise development plan expired in September 9th, 2021. And then on August 4th, uh, 2020, the Community Development Agency uh, approved uh, the tree removal application, and this was for the, the removal of additional trees on the property. Uh, so this is the uh, overall subdivision. This includes the 28 units and some common areas. Uh, highlighted is lots three through nine. That is what we discussed in July. And so today we are discussing lots one, two, and 10 through 28. Um, specifically, uh, so I use a the word lots one, two, 10 through 28, but the, the parcel numbers are, s are very similar to those. Uh, so they're APNs 164-650 and then the zero one as associated with the lots numbers. Um, so the decisions in front of you today look for consistency with uh, design review, which is a Marin County Code section 2242060. Um, and uh, specifically the lots with ADUs uh, were determined to be in compliance or uh, with California government codes uh, 65852.2E, um, and those will be part of a ministerial review process during the building permit stage. And so then, um, again, here's an overall aerial of lots one, two, and 10 through 28. Um, you guys all walk the site, so it looks a little bit different than this today. Um, and so while this is not part of the design review application, I wanted to bring forth the, the landscaping plans that are gonna, uh, that are actually started to be installed, uh, construction of the irrigation for this landscaping did start on Thursday and into Friday, they made pretty good progress in installing some insta uh, the irrigation. So this picture is graphic. It looks like it's between lots three and five. And this is continuing on with the landscaping. And then this is at the point where it goes, turns up to Aaron Court, the landscaping at the top of the cul-de-sac. Megan, if I could yeah. just ask you a question on that. Uh, could you show um, where the landscaping plan intersects with where the uh, detention basin is at, number two? Yeah, the, uh, it's on this plan right here. And so the red trees, the red circles on the bottom um, is between the bioretention basin and lot 27. 
Are there trees um, in front of the uh, concrete structure? That is concrete structure between uh, the detention basin and Lucas Valley Road itself. Because right now you could yeah, so see that's some concrete that, there. That's what the, the red um, circles are. And then if I, I'll stop talking for a second so the subtitles will go away from right, the graphic. Right, but there, there is right. green circles too. Okay. And the green circles represent what kind of it's, vegetation? It's just a, it's their tree planting. Okay. Are they uh, are they uh, the oaks or are they other types of trees? They were oaks as indicated. I did not write the specific names down this time. Do you remember the mature height? Um, so in this specific design review, I, be I believe there's five different general floor plans. So here I just have a, uh, I just grabbed a couple of the different lots so you could see the range in different sizes. Um, so the smaller house um, is 1,130. The larger um, houses are 4,270. Uh, with ADUs ranging in uh, different sizes from 799 to 738. Um, and again, varying lot sizes, um, you know, as small as 6,700 square feet um, and, you know, uh, up to 2,900 square, or 29,167. 29, um, all structures are proposed within the building envelopes. Um, include a varying heights of retaining walls. Um, no retaining walls is over six feet, and the retaining walls that are six feet are behind the residences. Um, and they all are within the height limit allowed by the master plan, um, which was between 25 feet and 30 feet. Um, now I'm going to go through all the different uh, models that we'll be looking at today. This is one and two. Uh, I put the graphics together because they're connected uh, through a zero property line in the center, and these are the affordable housing, uh, two of the affordable housing units. This shows their shared driveway in the entryway landscaping. Uh, this is lot this is a similar floor plant that we saw in July. The same as with 11. This is the same floor plan that we saw in July, and it's just the same floor plan that we just saw. And, uh, so then 12 and 13 are um, two more set of affordable lots that they have a uh, shared driveway um, up the center with landscaping in the front. Uh, and now we turn to go up Aaron Court. Uh, this is the first time you will be seeing this floor plan. This is the, one of the larger, oh, the largest home, um, but it has a driveway off of Aaron Court. Oh, this one also has uh, probably the most landscaping because it is a corner lot. Uh, this is 15, it's the same floor plan. And then 
in feet 16. It's a variation um, of a prior floor plan, but just larger. So we're still on the left side of Aaron Court, 17. And so now we'll be getting to the top of the cul-de-sac uh, with lots 18. And these ones are built back into the hillside and they have the um, upper level in the back corner. This is 19, so this is if you drive straight, this one like dead center in the cul-de-sac. 19, 20. So now we're going back down, it would be the right side of Aaron Court, lot 21, 22, 25, we're getting back down to the bottom of Aaron Court. Uh, and so 27 and 28 um, are right before you go up Aaron Court. These are the two affordable housing units that are um, closest to Lucas Valley Road. Um, I do want to make a couple notes on this one. The board packets that you had um, and the attachment for lot 28, the landscaping plan uh, was um, an old version. I actually have the correct version in my record. It's just that the one that you got was incorrect. It incorrectly labeled the rear fencing as being um, like the clear fencing, um, but this is the uh, accurate one shown and it was just a, a labeling um, note. Um, additionally, um, I noted on condition of approval six, um, it reads two additional 36 inch box coast live oak or valley oak shall be planted on the east side, or sorry, planted southeast of the building area within the building envelope. I wanted to clarify that that planting uh, needs to occur between Lucas Valley Road and the fence. Um, additionally, any tree plantings uh, should occur two feet uh, from the storm drain easement that's located on that property. Um, and the fir same clarification on condition of approval number seven, um, that the tree planting, you know, shall occur between the, the Lucas Valley Road and the fence. Um, and, you know, there should be two feet uh, between the, the location of the easement and the tree planting. Um, so uh, with that, uh, uh, we recommend that you conditionally approve the Lucas Valley Talus LLC design review. Um, I'm available for any questions. We also have members from the Department of Public Works Land Division uh, group here, um, as well as a project applica um, applicant team. So those are the last... Um couple of changes you make. Those are actually amendments to the proposed um, or, uh, resolution. Um, and we had also discussed uh, making sure that the uh, trees be 
between Lucas Valley Road and the fences uh, would not be deciduous. They would be, um, you know, not the valley oak, the other types of oak, um, but still native, native oaks. Thank you. Thanks, Megan and Jeremy. Yeah, questions, Commissioner Lynn. Yeah, so I was just looking at the at the plant list and materials list, mm -hmm. and it would appear that there are no oak uh, proposed on that Lucas Valley Road side. There, the only trees indicated are uh, Western Redbud, Dogwood, Cloud Nine, and Swan Hill Olive. And that olive, I don't know if that's the miniature or not. So they're not potentially that high there, but they are full and flowering at least during part of the year. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that um, and make sure that that is in fact correct. I don't know if this is an, I, I kind of randomly checked the various plans that, but they seem to all be the same. Yeah, and we can change the requirements of the uh, landscaping there. The only thing we need to be careful of is that there is that, that um, the drainage easement, and so we need to make sure that the, um, the lines don't get fouled by tree roots in the future. Right. But mm -hmm. if is okay with the trees that we choose, we can modify that requirement so that there's enough uh, landscaping to screen the, the development. And I, I actually had a couple other questions about the landscape matrix. So I would like an explanation of the hazard assess assessment matrix, particularly how that relates to the fire, the fire hazard zones that are identified in the plans. I have the vocabulary, I'm sorry, but I think you know what. Uh, the, fire, the fuel reduction zone and the clean zone, the 15 feet from the house, and the 15 to 30 feet, the fire reduction zone. And, and the reason I'm asking that question is because of the, um, the staff recommendation in the, in the resolution to, uh, in addition to the planting as proposed in the plan set to require additional planting on the cut slope. And so my question is, um, um, because the recommendation doesn't specify what that planting would be. So are you then anticipating then selection from the um, ground cover and shrubbery plant materials list, um, which does have some specimen sizes and some spacing indicated so it would be from that schedule? Or, and then how does that relate to, to those, uh, the fire reduction zone and the clean zone requirements? Um, particularly for the shrubbery. So anyway, it's a little bit complicated question, but I didn't quite understand all how that all fit together. And, I, and I'm very pleased to see the recommendation about the landscape on the cut slope, but I just wanted to know what you were envisioning in terms of what the, what the applicant's commitment to that additional planting would need to be and how that relates to the standards that are set up on the, on the plant materials list. I'm sorry, maybe I missed it. D were you s specifically relate, um, asking about particular lots? They all seem to be the same. It's okay. Uh, yeah, all the plant lists are the same and the, the resolution is the same. I checked that, so we're really talking about how, I mean, there are different landscape areas involved, obviously, because there are different amounts of cut slope on each of the lots. But I was just wondering how that would actually be implemented. sorry that I didn't get this question to you in writing before. 
Well, I mean, in generally, I, I, I can say, you know, the hazard matrix is, is um, what the um, fire departments generally use as a means to describe the hazard level. And it has to do with the aspect of the slope, the slope of the slope, um, and uh, I think the um, vegetation on the slope. Um, in this case, uh, it is um, an area that on the upper slopes, I think, does have a higher degree of fire hazard. Mm -hmm. um, so they're being careful in terms of how they review these. Um, we'll probably need to take a closer look at these um, before we're able to kind of answer in more detail. Yeah, so I would anticipate it might be the ground cover plant material there rather than the shrubbery, for example. Um, I was looking at the matrix, and there is something called Specimen garden. I'm assuming that the hazard points one is lower. I just didn't, it, there's no key that indicates that, but I was assuming that that was the case. And so perhaps that ground cover then would relate to that specimen garden uh, section of the matrix. We'll have to take a little bit of a closer look. Okay. Yeah, but there, are there other questions? I'll be. No, that was my main question about that. Anyone else have questions for Jeremy or for, for Megan? Commissioner Dickinson? Um, Megan, I have a question about the project in general. I realize, it, realize that's not specifically in front of us. But as I recall, um, Aaron is going to remain a private street. Public Works, I think, specified that it would be a private street, not a public street. I think that Public Works has uh, decided to accept these as public streets. Okay. I mean, it kind of would make more sense. And then I assume that Ellen, the cul-de-sac, which is just part of the street, would also be a public street. I believe that's correct, yes. Yeah, I mean, the rest of it is, and it's just actually part of the cul-de-sac that's on this property. Um, and I have a question about a condition, which is on page 80. Um, I assume the, these requirements uh, came out at this 13 at the bottom uh, regarding vegetation management. It continues on the page 80. And my question was B, which I assume is just repeated out of probably the EIR mitigation measures, but obviously it's not relevant anymore because it was stuff to be done before grading and the grading happened. <coughs> and I mean, there were uh, certain locations of bunch grass, native bunch grass. Uh, Talking about holding on to native grasses as it's being excavated and using those to replant and reseed the hillside when it gets built and it seems a little and bit. To, and to be used in a mitigation area that at the time of the EIR was to be identified. Yeah, I'm not sure whether or not they. There's nothing to be done now because right. it's already been graded. Neither the bunch grasses were collected or not. Yeah, right. If they were, then they'll be used, um, which is really relates to the mitigation measures for the subdivision improvements, which right. is not what's. You know, yeah, because I can remember today, the consultant actually showing us the bunch grasses, and there were just scattered locations more on the other side of the property. Uh, yeah. But this is just repeating what was in the EIR. It's not anything that really is applicable 
Yeah, we went right. through, um, and with our environmental planning staff uh, and DPW, went through all the mitigations. Uh, and as you can imagine, I mean, there's mitigation measures which relate to the houses, like, uh, for example, the fencing, which we've incorporated in. Most mitigation measures are actually related to the subdivision improvements, and um, that's when those were reviewed. Um, so we went through, and any mitigation measure that may have an applicability to the housing we included in these conditions, um, but we didn't parse through them. And that I think what you're picking up now is that, you know, like many of the mitigation measures, they actually refer to a variety of different stages of the development. So we just left it as is and, and dropped it in. But you're right. I mean, if, if it wasn't done already, this is a, a, a this this portion of this mitigation measure does re relate more to the subdivision improvements rather than the houses you're looking at now. But other parts of the mitigation measures measure um, applies to the houses, which is why we included it. And then my other question had to do with the uh, staff proposed uh, conditions regarding the landscaping along Lucas Valley. And I understand now that it is all a solid wood fence, whereas originally it was going to be open wire. And the trees are to be outside of the fencing? That is correct, to be outside of the fencing. Um, it was indicated as... Uh, in the EIR um, that shows a landscape plan and it did show landscaping um, behind the fences due to the landscaping plan in the EIR, I could not decipher the exact species types. Um, so I used the species that was indicated um, as part of the improvement landscaping um, and I just, just went off of that. So if your commission feels that there's a better tree type, um, I'm open to suggestions here to help. Um, and the idea was to screen uh, lots 27 and 28 from Lucas Valley Road. And as I recall, they were Coast Live Oaks and, um, and Valley and Oaks. Valley Oaks yeah. So I think we are, I mean, I think Valley are deciduous. deciduous. So right. Yes. Okay. Um, but it would be on the slope behind the fence, out, outside of their basic yard, even though it's actually part of their lot. Yes, yeah, right, it's part of their lot. It would be to screen the fence and the rest of the development. And, and so back there, there is a, a non no development easement, and there is also the storm drain easement. Right. And so that's where the, the, the spacing is a little bit tight, um, but again, to help shield and provide more privacy for everyone thought the plantings between the fence and Lucas Valley Road would be the better placement for them. Right. I was trying to recall uh, um, just in terms of history, originally there was an entrance to the subdivision off of Lucas Valley Road. And I think as was pointed out one of the letters that, that the um, reference was to a plan that actually still showed that entrance off Lucas Valley Road, but, and that was eliminated early on. But. And there is an emergency access right. point there between right. um, the lots and the bioretention basin. And that, I assume, is gravel, a gravel? Uh, it was paved, it currently is paved. Okay, okay, thank you. Can I ask another question? Commissioner uh, Thomas okay, has had a okay. question, so okay. let's go to him first. <laughs> yeah. Either way. Yeah. The, uh, on condition number six, 
on condition number six, it refers to two additional 35-inch uh, box um, oaks, and uh, the findings refers to four oaks on lot 27. The um, I didn't see existing oaks on the landscape plan, so should this, should condition six refer to four um, oak trees rather than just two additional oak trees? Yes. And, and so all those four trees would be outside the fence line. And then, so as I read the conditions, then well, there'd be four oak trees on lot uh, 27 and three oak trees on lot 28. Did I, am I reading that right? Sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, as I see the conditions here, there would be four oak trees on lot 27 and three oak trees on lot 28. I believe there's just two, two on 27 and three on 28. Right, yeah, although the findings though refer to four, four oak trees on lot 27. So, I mean, to, uh, Correct that if it's yeah. If that. we can if okay. we can expand the number of oak trees there, I think that would be a good idea. You know, assuming they all would fit. You would like four. Yes. If yes. We, okay, we can do it. That'd be great. Commissioner Lynn. So yeah, I, I would just wanted to know what the maintenance responsibility for the plantings in these easement areas would be. Is that would that be the homeowners association or the individual uh, homes? I'm sorry, which easement the areas? The, the open space easement and the drainage easement areas. So if, if these trees are planted on the uh, non-house side of the fence, what's the maintenance risk? Who has the maintenance responsibility? So they will not be planted within the um, drainage easement. Um, they may be planted within, actually they would be planted within the open space easement and they would be the homeowners or the property owners rather than the property owners association. Property owners association would be responsible for uh, basically the, the common improvements. Common ones, okay. Yeah, so if you continue down the road there, there's a, a large area, a lot of landscaping there. Um, I think some of that may be the homeowner association. Okay, so just to make sure I'm clearly understanding these additional trees that you that are recommended for planting these additional oak trees would then be the responsibility of of those property owners for those specific lots. Yeah. Okay. And what happens if they fail? Yeah, I've got this five year. So that would apply the the condition F. I'm, I, I imagine it's the same for all of the lots. So there's a five year um, maintenance and replacement requirements, so that would apply to the new trees as well. Mm -hmm. Across the board, that's gonna apply to everything. Yeah, I think that's right, there's, there's yeah. Yes. And, and whatever planting is also ultimately decided is appropriate for the cut slopes, that would apply as well. I think so. The five-year replacement period. Yeah, it applies to everything. This fire hazard zone is it essentially a no plant zone or is, are there types of vegetation that could be allowed there um so the clear zone how, how far away is that from the from the house it's 15 feet one was thir up to 30 feet and the other was 15 feet let's see so it's it's at it's on the plan set 
Yeah, it's referring to a standard which is not included. Ah, it's in the notes. It's in the notes on the first page of the landscape plans, note two and three. 15 feet for the clean zone, no few to no combustibles, and fuel reduction zone is 15 to 30 feet. So we basically got additional regulatory requirements for landscaping within 30 feet of the structures. Looks like in those notes. Yeah, no combustibles within 15 feet is very, I have, I have not really heard that before. Generally, it's five feet of the, of the structure. Um, so I think we have to look at that note. <laughs> I, I believe that the landscaping plans as they're proposed have been reviewed uh, per the vegetation management standards of the fire district. Um, so you should expect that that's what's gonna be uh, planted. There would potentially be some alterations from the plans Oh, there is plant materials in their location because they don't seem to. They may be defining combustibles in a particular way. Um, uh -huh. I mean, the general thing. I mean, that means almost anything. I don't think they're planning on having a concrete apron around the houses that are 15 feet wide. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe some other kind of hardscape or. Yeah, I mean, there ha there have been more recent standards which have been updated by the. By the state code, which do call for not planting right next to houses anymore, and those are generally, I think, five feet, not fifteen. So, I was curious about that. Actually, the notes on that chart clearly indicate you're going to have vegetation within it. Yeah, the specimen garden zone. Grass, the grass and specimen. <laughs> Gardens and right. it's not that it has to be hardscape. This is no combustibles, right? Well, combustible grass. Yeah, I think the language is a little bit confusing. I think that the landscape plans that are before you have been vetted and approved. Yeah. Well, they have to be approved by the fire department anyway. Right, right? exactly. Right. Yeah. Any other questions for staff? One more question on yep. the landscape on Lucas Valley Road. Uh, the comment we received from Mr. Tackleberry referred to adding in some type of shrubbery also along the frontage. And um, does staff see that as being feasible to do? And if so, uh, any thoughts on what type of shrubbery that would be? I, I mean, it seems to me um, potentially a good idea just in terms of, again, adding additional screening. Because uh, one thing along Lucas Valley Road, there is continuous landscape screening really from the subject property all the way down to uh, the rise up the big rock. So it would seem to me to the extent we can, obviously it's not gonna mimic that initially, but to the extent it could continue uh, with a more of a you know, um, robust landscaping screen that would seem to be desirable, assuming that would be feasible to do. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Oleander, I think that would be fine. Yeah. Is it your recommendation then to add that in as a condition? I think that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. We can beef up the landscaping and you know, add some uh, oleander or similar shrubs. Yeah. Anyone else have any questions for staff? Um, so I, I, not surprisingly, had this sim similar questions to Commissioner Dickinson and Commissioner Lynch, but I'm I'm curious why 
I've seen HOA documents, CCNRs, that uh, cover responsibility for areas that are not just part of the community. So for example, monitoring of trees and, you know, these, these seem to be, especially on graded slopes, but landscape plans, I mean, it, they're not saying you need to have violets every three inches. They're saying, you know, you need to have a tree, it needs to have a five-year, um, you know, a minimum of five years to, to ensure establishment of cover, et cetera, et cetera. If those fail, and it's just the responsibility of the owner and it's not in the CCNRs for the HOA, what recourse is there? Um, I mean, nobody's gonna, you know, what happens? Well, in this case, I think that that's um, built into the conditions of approval that well, there's gonna be monitoring and then they'll need to replant if the plants fail. That's just not, uh, that may be so, it's just I don't see any kind of monitoring or, or responsive, I mean, you know, responsive built yeah, so into the, the conditions. The question earlier was, is it the responsibility of the homeowner association to, to maintain the plants, which, oh, is different, yeah, no. which is different from, is it responsibility, is it in the CCNRs mm -hmm. that the homeowner needs to maintain the plants? Mm -hmm. It can be in the CCNRs that the homeowner maintains the plants, but yeah. typically you're not going to have uh, the you're not going to have the homeowner association maintaining plants on the private property. Right. Yeah. Okay, so right, I I understand that that it's not the HOA's responsibility to maintain the plants, but presumably they would reach out to a homeowner and say it's your responsibility to replant the dead oak tree that was supposed to be maturing for five years? Or yeah, I mean, I don't know if we have anything specific saying that the HOA, that the CCNRs need to include um, monitoring measures or, you know, compliance measures or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's something we can add. You're right, it's absolutely customary for homeowner associations to tell people to mow their lawn or whatever it is right. that they do, including, uh, um, you know, replanting plants. So we can add that. Any other questions for, for staff before we move on to public hearing? Okay. So we'll um, close the staff report and move to public hearing. And uh, first we'd like to hear from the applicant who has 10 minutes. Good afternoon, Planning Commission, Commissioners. Uh, my name is PJ Dute, and I am one of the members of the Haven team. Um, and we do have with us, um, from our Dolan group, we have our architect as well. Uh, and um, so yeah, we, we did come to you in July. We shared with you lots three to nine, appreciate all of the feedback. Um, and today we've come back to you with lots one, two, and then 10 through 28. Um, I know when we went last time, we did discuss the landscaping in um, a little bit of detail then as well. Um, and then we also discussed the phasing of the affordable units. And I just did want to bring to attention that this set of um, lots that we're reviewing does include, as Megan pointed out, the affordable housing units, which will be built concurrently with the rest of the development. I know that was a concern that we reviewed last time as well. Um, but aside from that, we, um, again, we're here to answer any questions. And I'd like to hand it over to Prem Dute. Um, to provide a little bit of input to some of the questions we did hear already. Afternoon, Commission. My name is Prem Duke with Haven Development. So I wanted to clarify a couple things. The the five-year maintenance is is specifically for the common area, 
and it's underneath the tentative map approval, the final map approval, and, and ultimately everything that has to do with the land development portion, the grading and all of that good stuff. The private lot areas and the landscapes associated with the private lot areas, there are um, provisions within the CCNRs to where the HOA will, hey, like Jeremy mentioned, send out a letter if somebody's letting their lawn die or you know, vegetation's overgrown, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that does fall within the purview of the CCNRs and the HOA to kind of police what's occurring on the private lot areas that's visible from the street you know, things like basketball courts, et cetera, all those things are kind of in the, in the CCNRs. I think where we're having a little overlap is regarding these, what is it, uh, three, four, five, I think there's four oak trees on lot 27 and the, and the oak trees on lot 28. I think I want to point out to the commission, those are BMR units. So we're putting burden on below market rate units to maintain oak trees on their lots. Right, so th there's a bit of a problematic rub there. I totally understand the intent to screen from Lucas Valley, but to have a below market unit that's gonna be sold in the $200 to $50,000 range um, to a below market group or, or family have to maintain these trees, ultimately I think are, are they're gonna die. They're just not gonna be maintained, right? Uh, as they grow mature, they have to be pruned, and oak trees have to be maintained, ultimately. That's just kind of, you know, the nature of oak, whether they're coastal or valley oak, uh, or any of the oak species. So I, I wanted to bring that to the attention. Now, the, the overlap I'm talking about is, you know, the five-year maintenance for the common areas that applies to the land development team, and the CCNRs re relating to the private lots themselves. And we're here for the private lots, obviously. That's where Haven Development is developing. So I think there has to be a little bit of discussion of how we do handle that screening versus putting excess burden on the affordable units. Commissioner Dickinson. Um, I have a question for you, but just to follow up your comments, do you have a suggestion as to how that might be handled? So it's a pretty tight space. So if we, if we mm -hmm. brought up lot number, say 27 or 28, Megan, we can kind of see the plot plan there. We've got the public, uh, the private, uh, sorry, the public storm, storm drain easement itself, which has a storm drain in it. And then you have, you know, the fence line. So I'm not sure once she brings it up, uh, uh, go to the actual CBG plan, the next plan, please. have to go back to the packet. I'm not sure if it's on your PowerPoint or not. So, so maybe, uh, and I'd have to ask our civil, maybe we have some kind of an irrigation easement that the HOA does maintain those trees versus put the burden upon lot 27 and 28. I don't think it's fair to do that. Uh, and then the f I would say, even though it's not a, and again, Jeremy would have to chime in on how we would do this, but even though it's not a common area per se, it's still maintained by the HOA for the five-year period, right? And so, so... Sorry, the easement would be owned by... It'd have to be an irrigation easement that is in favor of the HOA. And then we'd have to extend the irrigation from the common area that's across from the EVA onto that lot for just those trees. So we, we, you know, the trees make sense. Um, having a whole lot of vegetation, then it becomes, you know, we have to draw kind of a line. I think trees are 
we can define that as, hey, the, the, there's four trees on 27 and three on 28, and that's the HOA's responsibility. They come in, they maintain them. Um, the question then becomes, and I'd have to check with our, our, uh, our, our HOA budget person on the, the you know, the long-standing uh, pruning and all that good stuff of those trees. I think we'd have to add that in there, Taryn. Well, it is, a, it, it, you know, it is a, a tricky question because 27 and 28 are the ones that are right on the road. Right, the, right. right. So they're the ones that need the most screening, and therefore the vegetation management plan for those areas is going to be the most important, and yet it falls on the people who are least financially resourced. Right. So... I think I think we should work with staff on how to get s the necessary easements in place. Figure out exactly where we can put um, the trees themselves, not interfere with public works and the storm drain easement, but also have them maintained by the HOA. So I think you know, if the condition was was written as such, then that makes sense, and we, we move forward and figure it out. Right. Okay, and you, the homeowners association will have irrigation on the other side of the emergency access road, right? right? So it would be in that area. They'll already have irrigation and maintenance responsibility. Right, so we'd pull it, we'd pull it across, and then we'd put the fence on the, in, you know, the house side and put the oaks on the outer side. So okay. we'd have to do it that way. I think that helps clarify it. My question to you uh, was, because it, it's really the applicant that has to answer this, is a concern I had looking at the affordable units and they're generous and they're three bedroom is that all three of them are exact mirror images and with the other unit which will make them stand out more than would otherwise be the case or actually smaller than the market rate homes but together the mass kind of looks like the, the scale of a market rate home is there any reason you couldn't um, create some variety, I mean, I using the same material. So like instead of having both a mirror image, like maybe on one side having more horizontal siding or more stucco or a different window treatment, so it didn't look like two side-by-side -side mirror images, but was kind of more consistent with the treatment in the rest of the project where you actually do create great variety in terms of the architectural treatment. And I don't mean adding stone or anything that's expensive, but just minor things that would make it look more like a single building as opposed to two identical side-by-side -side buildings. And the, the going out on the field trip and looking at it, a one and two, you're kind of looking at it on an angle, so it's probably not as important. The main one is 12 and 13, I think where you're looking straight on and you have this mirrored, like, flipped floor plan. Uh, the uh, 27 and 28 at the end, you're kind of looking at the end, so you're not going to realize it is, in fact, the same. Um, mm -hmm. But it seems to me there are minor design uh, changes that could be added, changing the window size, uh, changing the location or the amount of horizontal siding on it. So they're just not identical. Uh, this is actually a great segue, uh, Commissioner. Why don't we play the actual video that we have, the 3D, Megan, and then take a look at that. And then we have Zaid here from Dolan. Maybe we can 
I understand that the, the intent is to try to bury it so it doesn't look like a, a, a butter. A little match. bit, so it just doesn't look like right. too identical. A, bu a book match like rather than book the page. Internet. Got it. I wanted to work on the landscape and just whether you think it's a good idea. That's 12 and 13 there. And you can see they are already at an angle. And in most cases, if you're just going through, hi everyone. In most cases, when you're going through this subdivision, you're gonna be driving and none of the buildings are actually gonna be straight in front of you. You're always gonna be driving through and looking at things at an angle. And so from the street, it'll never appear as though it is a mirror image of its corresponding uh, structure. It's gonna appear very similar to the rest of the lots in terms of the way that we've treated the buildings. Um, and exactly, like some of the things that you said in terms of picking up that the massing is uh, very similar to the market rate lots, that was one of the big considerations with the, um, with the affordable lots is to maintain that feel throughout the neighborhood so that you know, in the consideration of someone that is moving through it in a car, they're not really gonna get the feel that these houses are, are different in any sort of way. They're gonna understand that it's part of one larger community. Yeah, so I think that intent is there. I think the question is, can we have this be where it's, can we change the color on the left one from the right one? Mm -hmm. Effectively, without making it look like how it's got to look right. Yeah, it, I, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for that. I personally like the, uh, one of the, the big considerations with designing this entire subdivision is uh, a certain level of moderation in terms of the color schemes and the materials that we were using. Um, you know, we uh, kind of use some inspiration from uh, the Bay Area and, and living in, in Northern California specifically with you know mid-century modern and the Eichler homes that you see kind of in, in Palo Alto, that was the, the big draw for us here. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about uh, the, the production of, of this subdivision is uh, just kind of the holding back of, of overplay of colors. And I feel like if you were to uh, distinguish the colors on the below market rate lot to have one have a different color than the other, uh, then it really would stand out as uh, a mirror image of, of each other. Yeah, I feel that's like certainly not there. what I was suggesting, is just modifying the materials, um, uh, not the colors, but the materials. So maybe one has more lap siding than the other side, or maybe one has a little different window treatment on some of the units are U-shaped and two wings that come out and they're treated very differently. Sure. Um, and you use the same floor plan repeatedly, sure. but they don't look the same because you've changed the exterior between one lot and another lot. It, it's just that on that one, it seems to me you look at it and it stands out because it is just a mirror image of the one next to it. There's something that, and you know, some of you change the garage door windows. Some mm. places you change the window spacing. So minor changes, not two different, <laughs> two, do, two different appearing units, so that it looks like one unit 
but like a bigger okay. single unit and blends more with the other houses. So, the, so, so just to clarify, the idea is not, you, we don't want them to look like two different units. We just want to have them look a little bit more like a one large unit, like right. an individual market. So, so like we have, okay, yeah, we, we can work with staff on that. That's not a problem. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to ask you. We can figure out like maybe on the left garage, we have some stone versus the right garage. Well, I don't even mean adding stone, which is Changing a, siding. A, a, an economic issue. I mean, you're using the same materials, but just modifying a little bit from one side to the other. Okay. Well, or even uh, you have um, like a vertical row of horizontal siding on the one, maybe have more horizontal siding on the other one. The same materials, same colors, but just to create a little variety between them mm -hmm. so they're less distinctive as something different than, th than all of the market rate homes that you have. Okay, thank you. We'll talk about it l later. Commissioner Lynn, yes. Oh, you want to follow yeah. up on what? Well, on what he said, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I just want to voice my first concern when I saw these plans for the affordable housing. I don't know at this point in the project if um, anything could change, but rather than the exterior, to me, it's like the future res residents will have a lack of privacy at the other because there is a share wall in between the two units. Um, again, I repeat, uh, maybe there's nothing that can be done at this point in the project, but that is something that I looked at if I was to move there. I have a share wall with another, right? which that's not the case for the other houses. Right, so, so we didn't necessarily change the plan from that, we, that we basically received from the original uh, plan set that came through, and they were designed as duets from the beginning. Um, because of the size of the lots and the way they're shaped, it'd be difficult to separate them. There is gonna be you know, air gap between the, uh, the buildings during the CD stage, so there'll definitely be a, um, a separation between the two. It'll feel more like a townhome, effectively. Uh, but at this stage, trying to, to make them individual units is, is going to be very difficult also to achieve setbacks and all that stuff. So it's, it, we're, we're kind of, uh, in essence, stuck with the past of what we received. We just tried to make the facades feel like the rest of the market rate units and not leave them behind. So we'll, we'll further work on that. Thank you. Commissioner Lind? Yeah, I just, listening to the conversation about the building materials, I think the thing that signals that it's a duplex form is mostly the doors. So you might want to take a look at the doors. I mean, uh, the garage doors? The front doors. Okay. Front doors. Maybe even um, altering the location slightly so they're not completely symmetrical because many houses have multiple doors. So if you're trying to achieve the look, which I applaud, the concept of having the overall design look like the scale and massing and overall design and colors and materials of the other houses, but not duplicating the detailed elements, I think the doors are import an important part of that conversation. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at that and see if it's possible. I, I, don't, I can't remember the floor plan specifically. Yeah, uh, in keeping with these floor plans, we're very well acquainted in the floor plan with the possibilities. Hold on a minute. Um, unfortunately, due to the way that the floor plans are laid out, we have a particular location for where the door is and uh, potentially moving that could alter the, uh, the floor plan. I mean, it, yeah, it might be a little bit difficult to alter the location of the uh, the front door on these. 
anyway, you'll work with staff on that. Uh, sure. The other thing I wanted to comment on is that I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed by your statement that the five-year implementation note only applies to the common area landscaping because your plan sets show landscaping within the property line and the note is presented on that page. So I would read this as saying that that, that five-year uh, implementation applies to all the proposed landscaping on the individual lots as well as the common areas. Sorry, are you looking at the plan set itself, the planning looking set? The plan sets are all drawn that way for every lot. You've got landscape improvements that are on the private property. Correct. Right. The front yards have landscape improvements. And the note about the note, where's the note? Maybe it's not here, but it's in the other conditions. So the condition, where is that? It's on page 80. Is that right? Conditions apply to the actual tentative map. It's Hang on. It says the landscape shows just the common areas. Yeah, that's something for, for staff to resolve, I think, with you. Because that makes a very big difference in terms of the implementation responsibilities moving forward. Yeah, so I'm looking at the notes right now. This talks about the clean zone, the fuel reduction zone, uh, fire resistant planting, Trees should be planted such that they mature the crown. I think Rebecca, I, I think that Commissioner Lind is, is looking at condition 13, subletter F. Right. The landscape plan should specify provisions to maintain landscaping and graded slope revegetation with replacement plantings and seeding for a minimum of five years. And the landscape plan, I think that it's referring to, even though it's not capitalized, is starts at the beginning of paragraph 13, which says, before final, final inspection for any of the residences, so that applies to all of them, basically. The applicant shall implement the approved landscape and vegetation management plan. The question is, does it apply to the individual lot landscape plan Correct. or the actual common area landscape plan that was already approved? It doesn't limit it to the common area the way it's drafted. So like the, the slope vegetation is, is in place right now, so that was hydro-seeded and, 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 and the upper slopes have all been are, are established at this point. Um, I, I, all I can go off of is what is the norm in other subdivisions that I build. I, I, this has been so long-lasting. It's been going on for 20, 30 years. I have no idea what the intent was back in 2000, but I'm just giving my opinion of what I believe is the case here and what the, what the team believes is the case. So, Commissioner Lind, you're suggesting that, th that subparagraph F should apply to all units and there should be a... You know, specifically this one specifically refers to graded slope revegetation, but are you suggesting that it should apply to all of the units in the subdivision? I think it does the way it's drafted. I mean, that's the way I read this was it applied to Mitigation measure 5.3-1A, uh, right? So I think it's, uh, it's relating specifically to um, the reestablishment of native vegetation on graded slopes around the fringe of the proposed development, which does not necessarily mean that it's for every front yard uh, in the um, in the subdivision. Uh, Jeremy, with regards to condition 13, it refers to the uh, landscape and vegetation management plan. Doesn't that include all of the uh, landscaping 
throughout the entire subdivision? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at 13, and, and what it says is around the fringe. And this is, this is a mitigation measure for not just relating to these individual um, properties, but it's around the fringe. Right, and the, other, the other question then would be the BMR units would be subject to the same maintenance requirement. Jeremy, that came out of a mitigation measure, didn't it? Yeah, it's, refer it's referenced in that right. paragraph. We can't really change that. Right. <laughs> That's what so the condition uh, is actually derived from the mitigation measure. As the only one who was here at the yeah. time, I think it was referring to the common areas. Yeah, that would make sense. The, like the subdivision improvements in the common areas. That would not be my recollection. We're not we were not talking about individual lots when that was written. But okay. And the reality is with individual lots, people are going to have their preference, and they are going to modify the landscaping over time. And when it's a homeowner association, it's easier to enforce. But if someone doesn't like a particular tree, they're going to modify it. That's life. Um, the common area you can control. Homeowners, I mean, that it, they can be enforced to maintain the landscaping. I would interpret the wording to also include the street trees, mm -hmm. which were part of the common area, even though now it's probably going to be part of the public right-of-way. But, right. but the detention basin areas and the street trees. Yeah, there's going to be an agreement with DPW about the street trees, so yeah. So would you interpret then, Jeremy, that the prior conversation we had about the additional oak tree plantings in the open space would be included as common area because open sp the open space is a kind of common area? I think it's along the fringe. I don't remember exactly where all the open space area is, but I think it's on the upper slopes yeah. in, in general. And that's that's what I think was, talk was meant when um, it was discussing the fringe of the development. Uh, and so it would apply to all those areas. So we would get the five years on the additional planting for the screening, but not for the front yard. Right. Yeah. Okay. Clarifying. Any other questions for the applicant? Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, okay. Um, it's time for public comment. Um, if you wouldn't mind when you're welcome to, to oh, yeah, if you could fill out a, a pink card, that would be great. Fred, you can actually fill it out later. Yeah. Well, you just want to go to the microphone yeah. first. And Thank you. Good afternoon, Craig Tackerberry. Thank you so much for uh, reading all the comments we wrote and taking them so seriously. I'm really impressed with the uh, level of care and thought. And also want to appreciate uh, Megan responding to some of my questions. I'm a member of the board of the Montmoran San Rafael Park Neighborhood Association, speaking on behalf of the association. Several members wanted to come today, but they weren't able to uh, adjust their schedule. We are 550 homes southwest of the project site. 
And I want to thank the county for having story polls established. Uh, that really started the dialogue in the neighborhood and with the board. And without that, the complexity of this project, we probably would have missed the uh, sightline issue for Lucas Valley Road. Um, we request that conditions be strengthened. We concur that Valley Oaks not be allowed, as you discussed. Um, we request that additional shrubs be between the homes and Lucas Valley Road be acquired. There was some dialogue about that, but I'm not real clear on whether that's a condition or not at this point. Uh, some of the shrubs, the shrubs included in the palette were brake light, red yucca, and deer grass, which only go to two to three feet high. We'd request taller shrubs be used to screen. And since the visual impact is occurring now, we'd request that uh, the screening be installed now. Um, the area is not going to be impacted during building construction. We don't see any reason why we can't screen the uh, construction. There's going to be uh, lumber and construction activity that could be screened today. And the area to be screened, uh, as far as we see it, is from the brow ditch on the east to the existing vegetation screening the church on the on the west. It's about 250 feet. We'll discuss today the trees. Uh, there's seven trees, which um, in among themselves would be 40 feet apart. That doesn't sound like quite enough to really screen the activities. So um, some shrubs would help. Uh, the plan show watering is necessary. And also, um, we request that it be clear that we want the, the irrigation uh, included as a, as a condition. And adding ongoing maintenance to ensure that the mitigation is addressed as required in the IR, I think is important. This is a perpetual requirement. It wasn't just a one-time thing. So as discussed, a landscape easement given to the HOA makes a lot of sense. Um, we have no objection to approval today of the design review for the other lots but we request that approval for lots 27 28 be continued so that we could review an actual landscape plan. This is very difficult to understand, I'm, and I'm the only one here from the public that actually is hearing the modifications being contemplated today. It would be nice to actually see the landscape plan and maybe even a, a visual of what it would look like at, at maturity and, at, and at, at, at planting or at five years. And um, this is an important corridor. Uh, I remember being involved in scenic highway discussions of the Lucas Valley Road corridor in 2013. It was very important to the neighborhood. Uh, the, the time the Board of Supervisors felt that there was adequate protections in the general plan to protect the scenic values of this corridor. And uh, it was also addressed in the EIR. And we, we hope that you take find a way to, uh, to screen the development. And we think it's good for the, the units too. They don't want to be looking at cars and trucks passing by. So I think it would benefit both sides. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Anyone else who would like to address the Planning Commission today? Okay, with that, I'm going to close public comment and bring it back to the Commission for discussion. All right. Commissioner Stepanovich, this is your that. district. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, in looking at the uh, plans before us today, the key issue for me was with respect to the screening of, of uh, the homes and the development from Lucas Valley Road. And, and I do acknowledge the applicant's point about the affordable units, and I think that should not be a burden of those, uh, those owners. So um, 
it seems to me the approach here that I would um, propose for uh, being added as conditions to uh, the project uh, approval today would be that um, there would be um, uh, three um, Coast Live Oaks added as shown in condition number seven and four on uh, lot 26. And then we would have the Oaks also as shown on the uh, plans that were shown earlier for the open space area that fronts Lucas Valley Road. And again, all those being uh, Live Oaks and Live Coast, uh, Coast Live Oaks. And also I, I, I do think the addition of um, Shrubbery would be important, whether they're oleanders or some other drought-resistant uh, type of uh, easily maintained uh, uh, shrubbery, uh, to uh, uh, over time allow for additional uh, protection for the homeowners and then also from the uh, traveling public on Lucas Valley Road. So, uh, and then that also would be then part of a landscape or a, a planting and irrigation easement uh, to be granted to the HOA for maintenance and. Um, and in terms of timing, if that actually all could be put in as part of the overall open space um, uh, landscaping, uh, which that irrigation system will tie into, that would seem to make sense. Just a, a quick clarification, I, I'm not quite sure I heard. We're, we're basically talking about um, the areas between lots 27 and 28 in Lucas Valley Road, right? Right, but also I was also referring to the area of, uh, fronting the detention basin because we have and the detention yeah, basin. I we see. We okay. have the oak trees. I would also uh, propose that we would add the shrubbery there too. Oh, I see. Okay, thank you. And also, I, I can concur with uh, Commissioner Dickinson's comments with respect to the. Um, the type of operations that alterations that could be proposed to the affordable units to just add a little more um, difference between the two adjoining units. So a um, condition uh, asking for um, minor deviations just to make the, the two units uh, distinguish from each other. Yeah. Anyone else have? I have a question. The condition refers to lot 26, and I thought the main concern was 27 and 28. Is yeah, that's my understanding too. Is there maybe there's a conditions referred to the shrubbery? I, I thought on the side facing uh, the street, right? Uh, not Luke's Valley Road, but the side facing. It's not 26. It's 27 and 28. Yeah. But, but it refers to going to 26. It just refers to, to uh, continuing the landscaping that's between 26. And um, there is just between lots 20, there's not a lot of landscaping in general on 27 and 28. And I do have a condition adding to that be extended. Um, but there are no other conditions related to 26 and okay, landscaping. Okay, so that's a that's along the driveway between 27 and 28 in lot 26. Correct. But that doesn't really have anything to do with the Lucas Valley Road. That is correct. And I, that, that condition is already you can't in there. See That's correct. It's on the other side of the unit. Right. But okay. Right. I understand now. Actually, um, I can give you my comments now. 
So um, I, I just, if I could, so yeah. you're talking about the drainage ditch in the common area. I'm sorry, the uh, the um, detention facility in the common area. So, I mean, if the applicant is open to doing that, that's okay, but we actually don't have a design review for that area today. Mm. Only thinking would be, though, that uh, that is all part of the project site, and it does provide screening to the homes that are before us uh, today. So that's where I see the um, causal connection between the two. So I think there's... Because it doesn't, doesn't, as I was looking at the plan that Megan uh, put up earlier, I... There were, there were oak trees or trees proposed along that strip as I, as I read that plan R right now. Yeah, I think we can establish the nexus of proportionality. That, that's fine. Just it's, I just wanted to bring up the fact that this is actually requiring changes to the landscape plan that were approved as part of the subdivision improvements, which, I mean, we, I mean we, if the applicant's okay with it, I think that we can, we can do that. I understand the connection between the two. I just want to be sure that we understand that that needs to have a special carve-out in terms of um, what we're conditioning today. That would be to add the shrubbery? That's because there are already trees. It's a specific modification yeah. to a plan that's already been approved as part of the subdivision improvements. There are already the trees that are not oak. The other varieties are not specified. So, because one thing, Jeremy, we, we would change the trees not specified as being coast live oaks, so we did want to change those trees right. in front of the detention base into coast live oaks. So, yeah. so, the problem is so are you saying you <laughs> want to change the approved subdivision improvement plan um, landscaping plan? Well, I thought that we could, I thought that's what we discussed um, before the public testimony today, that that would be those trees, those trees there that were approved for the um, uh, as part of the subdivision would be uh, coast live oaks rather than deciduous trees. Uh, I thought we were talking about just the design review that we were, that we're reviewing today. Oh, you were today. Going, referring yeah. to 27 to 28? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I see. Yeah. Well, how do we handle that then? Because I think that the screening of the vegetation, uh, sorry, the screening of the, um, of the detention facility is, on, is kind of at the top of everyone's mind today. Well, like I said, if the, if the applicant is open to it. Should we ask the applicant whether they'd be willing to yeah. do that? Because one thing that this applicant understands where my concern is, just looking at that from the roadway, is that you do see a concrete, the concrete, concrete structure there even. And that's where having some oleanders there, a similar type of vegetation, which can be drought resistant, not require a lot of water, seems to be a good idea to just provide an appropriate uh, landscaping of that improvement from the roadway. And again, it also does provide buffering of the homes that are on the other side of the public street. Yeah, I agree it's a good idea. Maybe we can. Ken? Yeah, so I, I, the only concern I have with the shrubbery is that coastal live oaks, oaks in general are very, um, the root systems are very uh, delicate. So if you, if, you, if you picture in your mind, you know, oaks that are growing, you don't necessarily see any shrubs or plants underneath them. They, they just don't grow well there and need watering and uh, to grow, but then they <coughs> affect the root system of the oaks. So we'd have to do this in a situation where the oaks are planted, let's, let's address 27 to 28 first. The oaks are planted outside of the public storm drain easement. And then the question I think would be for public works is can we put the shrubbery over in the public storm drain easement such that there's separation? I, trying to have them grow 
right underneath is, is just not going to work. It's, it, no, it's a condition yeah, we can't meet. So I, I guess my question would be, are they open to allowing us to plant them in separation? So if I'm looking down that easement, if I'm standing on the EVA looking to 2728, I have my oak trees and then I have shrubs that are separated from them. That, that's a an achievable condition. Right, yeah. So, right. so I don't know if Public Works wants to chime in on that and then we can kind of continue the discussion. Yeah, it's actually a very narrow strip there <laughs> by the time. I mean, there's a bigger right. area, but it's actually the public right-of-way. Right. The lot, there's a, a very small area on the lot outside of two feet outside and of I, the And easement. I believe the public storm drain easement is on the lot itself. Mm -hmm. So that's really the only area that I can I can think of working with. Um, and so that, Jeremy, do we have any, can we plant shrubs there? I mean, I, th I think it's a little bit tight. We can... Uh, probably ask them to put in some shrubs additional as long as but we we do want to maintain the, the health of the oaks overall. Okay, and I agree with that so. the main thing they, they, they should grow and, and be healthy I mean I think we can draft a condition that's broadly enough worded so that it's you know we don't need to specify inches and in specific plant but right. that and I we're think that's probably I think it's how we craft it so mm -hmm. I think if we say something like supplement um, you know the uh, the approved landscaping on the common parcel with additional shrubs downslope of the um, common area or something like that as long as we don't as long as we're not so locked in that it mm -hmm. it you know can't be done without damaging the yeah health of the oaks i think we're okay and to answer the question of whether we would modify the approved landscape plan we would but uh, again as long as the conditions broad enough so we can achieve it ultimately <coughs> Thank you. That's great. Actually, on that issue, the landscaping is being put in now, right? The irrigation and correct. So we would have to jump on that right away, and, and we can't right. install it uh, right now. So okay. we would do it alongside everything else that's going on. So we'd have to get with Gates and work on that. I, I have a few say? comments. In general, I think, as I indicated the last time, the project is actually very impressive. The units have grown in size because of the ADU exemption in terms of the floor area. Uh, and I think that's evidenced in the fact that mo many of these lots have little uh, outdoor living space. Uh, and the single family homes have the advantage of having decks and sometimes a patio in the back. There are a couple of the units that have virtually none. I mean, they have patio doors that go out and there's a fence, six foot high wooden fence there. Um, but that's the way it is. I mean, you are uh, technically within the uh, house size limits that were specified in the master plan as what was envisioned. They're just a little bigger than I think we initially thought. Uh, and particularly on the, the six inclusionary units, they, have, they only have one patio door from the living room to the outside. I have a front door and then one patio door that behind the garage that where the bank comes down is a retaining wall and then there's one patio door like behind the corner of the garage. And in a couple cases, particularly 12 and 13, I think there's very minimal outdoor living space, flat area, which I think will probably result in the families, and because these units are going to have to be uh, owner qualified for a three bedroom unit, I believe the housing authority will require that you have at least two kids and maybe three. 
On the other houses, we don't know who's going to live there, and they may just be uh, single adults, whatever. But because these were designed as family units, they were going to be kids. And I think, unfortunately, that's going to encourage them to play in the driveway, which is a little different than some of the individual houses because except for the one shared driveway, there, um, the other ones have individual driveways and uh, parking areas, turnaround areas where it's safe. I mean, it's only the owners are going to be using it. In this case, you've got two units sharing the driveway, and because there's so minimal um, flat area outside of that and no um, decks or balconies or anything else, I think it's going to mean that the main play area for the kids that are required to be in the units is going to be the driveway. But that is the way it is at, at this point. The units are, I think, generous in size. I mean, between like 16 and 1,900 square feet or something, all three-bedroom units, which is what um, was envisioned at the time of the master plan. It's just that in a few aspects, the site plan is getting a little tight now. I mean, it'll work, but it's, it's getting tight. I feel pretty strongly that through some minor modifications to the elevations, you can create what I'm looking for. And again, it's not two distinct un units. It's just like a bigger unit with a little more variety between one side and the other. So it just doesn't look like this mirror image. And I agree with the video that, that, that shows that the, 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 the building that you're going to get the most straight on view of is at 12 and 13. The other ones, because of the angle, other than the neighbor looking up or the other, the uphill house on 27, 28, uh, 20, uh, the house on 26 looking down, you're not going to really appreciate the front elevation. You're only going to see primarily the end. But I think it is important to do that just to make them less distinctive as something different than all the other houses in the unit. And I think, I mean, I don't mean adding stone and doing anything that economically really affects the price of the units because I understand that, that you're not going to have any choice about what you sell them for. For these units, it's going to be set based on the ability to pay of, of, the, um, of, of, the, of the buyer. So anyway, I would like to have that um, included, and I would actually leave it to staff to, to, to look at modifications to either the exterior materials in terms of the location, not necessarily color, but on one of them maybe not have the vertical strip of horizontal siding and maybe another one have more horizontal siding or something like that. Just working within your existing palette and or with the window size or location. And in the houses, you've done that a lot, modified the windows. So instead of one horizontal window, maybe it'll be two square windows or something like that, which shouldn't significantly um, change the economics. So I would like that to be um, incorporated into in to the conditions as something to be reviewed and approved by staff. And then finally, the issue we talked about, the maintenance, maintenance of the landscaping outside the fence on 27 and 28. I think it is important that the burden not be on the below market rate 
owners they will have the unit i think it is really doubtful whether they would be maintained outside a six foot solid wood fence um, if they die the owners aren't going to re replace them and i think it would be appropriate to include like a homeowners associate as the, the applicant talked about a homeowners association easement that would provide the irrigation and the maintenance for that uh, required stream landscaping um, and with that i'm otherwise very pleased with the project as i indicated last time i like this idea of taking what would otherwise be bigger houses and creating the option of of evolve, evolving use over time. So it could be a young couple that buys it with the, with the idea of using the rental income to help uh, subsidize some mortgage payments. Their family grows. They then reclaim the ADU as a family room and an extra bedroom. At some point when they don't need that and become empty nesters, they could go back to renting uh, the area out. So I think it's actually a creative way to um, take what would otherwise be large houses and um, and create that, that that option for flexible flexible use over time, and create the potential for some additional housing units. Some will be used that way. Some of them won't. They're not being counted as any required units. They're all in addition to the required units. I kind of vaguely recall we required a couple of them have ADUs, not control rent, but have ADUs here. They're all having <laughs> potential ADUs. Um, uh, anyway, th those are my comments. I would support a motion to approve this when um, we get to that point. Thank you. Any other comments from commissioners? I had one more comment, yeah. which, Jeremy, we discussed this earlier about the, um, the condition that we put on the first lots about uh, CCNRs addressing the fence. I looked up the language from the minutes, so I can refer to that. And I looked for that in the staff report because you thought it was there, but I didn't see it any place. So I may, maybe I'm missing it. But if it's not there, I would yeah. like to have that same it's condition. Uh, condition of approval 14. Page is that on? Eighty. Oh, okay. Three pages. That's why I missed it. Okay, great. Let's see. The second half of it. I've got my pages out of order here. I can read it. It uh, says the Homeowner Association CCNR shall be written to include standards for exterior building colors and materials and front yard fence design. The CCNR standards for front yard fences shall be consistent with Marin County zoning standards. CCNR shall be written to ensure that these standards are enforceable by the Homeowners Association. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it very much. And I concur with others' remarks. Any other comments? Okay, so just to round up what the comments are, what I understand Commissioner Stepanisech is asking three Coast Five Oaks on, from paragraph seven um, on lot, I can't remember which lot that is. But I think what I've got is three on lot 27. 27, that's four it. Four on 28. Yes. Uh, shrubs by um, basically 
close to the Lucas Valley, uh, and those will include. Uh, Jim, I just, I, it was actually, I think lot it was 26. Four, four on lot 24 on 27 and three on mm. 28. I flipped them? Yeah, the view down Lucas Valley Road is the corner of that. Yes. In the 27. Um, more shrubs, including uh, shrubs along the, um, uh, uh, in the common area um, by Lucas Valley Road. Uh, we'll see about what kind. We're thinking oleander, but um, it depends on what uh, will work with the oaks. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, a landscape and irrigation easement behind 27 and 28 so that the homeowner association will be responsible for maintaining the plantings in, those in that area. Uh, and then a condition um, requiring that minor ar architectural changes to the BMRs uh, that will distinguish the um, connected BMRs um, without uh, significantly ch um, altering the integrity of the architectural design. Does that sound right to everybody? Is there a summary? Yeah, okay, great. Right, so, so if there are no further comments, does anyone want to bring a motion forward on this? Um, Yep. Thank you. I was great to do that. <laughs> so, again, I'm very happy to support the project here. I think the changes made are, are, are good. The project has a, a very nice design to it. Again, thanks to staff and the applicant for working through some of these final issues here. So I'll make a motion to uh, conditionally approve uh, the project as proposed by staff but with the revisions that were just uh, outlined by Jeremy. I'll second that motion. Okay, it's been moved and, and, and seconded to conditionally approve um, their proposal, um, do we need to do a roll call vote? Yep. Aye. Aye. Commissioner Aye. Aye. Commissioner Aye. Yes. Okay. The appeal rights are ten, right, I need to that every time. Only been however many eleven years. Um, <laughs> so eight. No, that's not. It's not eight business days. I don't have the. I don't have page eighty-one. It's eight business days. Okay, thank you. Eight business days for appeal rights. And with that, I'm going to adjourn the hearing. Thank you. Yeah.